Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. Before we get started with Call You Mom, we got an email from Kate Rowland. And Kate Rowland says, Hi Greg, this is Kate. I bother you on Twitter. <laughs> Smiley face. I wanted to email because I had some thoughts on why after you guys talked about the educational aspects in kids' albums on the Danny Weinkoff episode. I was also remembering the last episode with a song from Y you were talking about and how Y had a cohesive theme but weren't sure what. I think it's primarily a concept album about how kids process new information or information in general. Songs like Elephants or So and or So I Have Read are like a believe it or not uh, or discerning between true and false stories, even when the true stories seem insane, like in Elephants. Oh, You Did is processing right from wrong. Long White Beard is about processing the changes that happen when you grow up. I Just Want to Dance is how kids process good news and they're so happy that they just want to dance, etc., etc. If this is true, then I think The Elm is a great way to help kids with building a sense of understanding. Great episode, too. Thanks for writing, Kate. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that definitely makes sense. I mean, just the title being called Why is like kids... Uh, not knowing things and then learning about them and figuring them out, uh, processing information, like you said. Uh, thanks for writing in. Anyone can write in at this might be a pod at gmail.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 224 801 2930. That number again, 224 801 2930. Call now. I also wanted to remind you all that the Purple Toupee compilation is out now. TMBP and Friends presents Purple Toupee, a charity compilation for my student, Garrett. So far, we've sold a lot of copies and raised a lot of money, so thank you to everyone who pre-ordered and everyone who ordered within that first week of sales. Go to thismightbeapodcast.bandcamp.com and find the Purple Toupee compilation and click order. You can name your price uh, for a CD or a download. Uh, 15 for a download. $20 for a two-disc CD set. So go on and grab that. All the profits go to Garrett and his family. So let's keep that money coming in for them. Thank you so much, everybody. And now on to an episode that contains one of these songs. It's Call You Mom. Here we go. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song song podcast about the greatest band of all time. That's right, Outdoor Valor. Woo! Just kidding. They might be giants, but I'm here with an Outdoor Valor bandmate of mine. It's Andy Howard, saxophonist, clarinetist, keyboardist, glockenspielist of <laughs> Outdoor Valor to talk about a, a song that we know how to play called Call You Mom off Nanobots. 
think I'd like to call you Yeah, I, I was trying to, because we never got a recording of it. I don't know why I didn't have my dad like just videotape. I'm surprised my dad didn't just videotape without even asking at the Birdhouse uh, <laughs> live show when we played it. Because um, the sound uh, engineer is not set up for it. And it's of the three live episodes, it's the one that doesn't have a uh, live mu- music uh section on the band camp because they weren't can you believe that that they had a in this day and age had a mixing board that didn't have usb out <laughs> i was they i was getting the 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 episode mix uh just from one quarter inch cable out of the mixing board into my into my shit <laughs> wow yeah i know the other episodes i've done in much smaller towns and much less legitimate venues well i mean the bishop in bloomington is pretty legitimate um but like you know six street dive here in lafayette i mean that yeah. i was able to do multi-track you know each person had their own voice uh track for the episode and then for the music you know even i i was able to mix even like kick and snare and and guitar amps and everything and able to mix it afterwards but in fancy chicago Wrigleyville. <laughs> nope. You're just getting, <laughs> I'm at the mercy of the sound engineer who she did a great job, but I'm just getting, you know, can't fix it in post. It's just one, one track out. I mean, that's the old school way, right? So, yeah. Uh, so we do not have a recording of us playing, uh, call you mom with outdoor velour. We worked so hard on it. I really wish we did. I mean, it's the only other time we did it at, um, I know we played it out outdoors at uh, Digby's Pub at Digby's, here in Lafayette, yeah. right? Yeah. Was that the yeah. only two times? I think that was the only two times, yeah. Yeah. We need to bring that one back, you know, <laughs> post-COVID season when we can play again. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's been probably, a long time. Carl would probably be like, no, she's like, the song's so hard. And, I mean, we'll get all into it, but, like, so many instruments in unison are playing those tricky like bluesy licks and it took us it was a lot of work but it is so fun um before (laughs) but before we get into uh the song you need to tell people about your fandom with they might be giants and what your history is with uh (laughs) listening to this band because you know you're (laughs) you're one of my in real life friends that's on the podcast this year. I've had a ton of people that um, were first timers on the podcast, people I've never met. I mean, that's the majority of my guests at this point. Um, But when the podcast started, like half of my guests, I feel like were people that like kind of got roped into being fans by me, (laughs) just being in my orbit. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) yeah, I'm definitely in that, in that club. Um, (laughs) I knew about the band. 
partially because my kids are big fans of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> so I knew about the kids songs and actually there is still to this day on my Spotify kids playlist, like a they might be giants playlist. Um, Hell yeah. They, they ask for it by name. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so were you not really aware of they might be giants until the aughts? Yeah, no, not until, honestly, not until this podcast started. Um, I was cursor, like, I, I knew a little bit about them, mm-hmm. but um, never really listened and definitely didn't know about the the huge backlog that I had to explore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, people in our generations, typically they've heard about them through um, the Tiny Toons. It comes up on sure, every yeah. episode. Yep. Did you watch Tiny Toons back in the day and did you hear them then and just not know I, it was them or no? Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely heard it. And then, and when people call it out, I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally know that song and totally know that band, but mm-hmm. uh, did not like make the connection between the two. Right. And uh, were, you, were you a Malcolm in the Middle viewer when that came out? Not, in, not until like two or three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I was definitely way behind the curve on that one too. Yeah, I didn't watch it at the time either. I mean, that was yeah, I was in college then, so yeah. like that wasn't really. I mean, first I didn't have, I had like rabbit ears on the TV. We didn't have good reception. <laughs> so it's like you know, it seems crazy because it was the you know ninety nine two thousand was my first the ninety nine two thousand school year was my was my freshman year, and uh, yeah, they didn't have like easy cable hookup in the dorms i mean i think you could pay for it if you want and we're just like ah whatever and yeah. uh yeah so it was like whatever reception you got you know it was on that was on fox yeah um but it's just i don't know it didn't uh, other than knowing that they might be giants did uh music for it it wasn't really didn't scream out to me at the time but w- i've gone mm-hmm. back and watched some of it and it is it's pretty fucking funny <laughs> yeah it's a good show yeah, I mean, especially after realizing like the genius of Brian Cranston through other stuff he's done, you know, Breaking Bad, obviously. It's yeah. like we should really, you know, Car and I were talking like we should go back and watch that. And we're like, we got they might be giants, you know. They've done all this like incidental music for it. They did like almost all the music for it. Um, and then you know, just seeing Brian Cranston uh, do comedy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I think like a lot of people. Um, well, I, I know a lot of people through talking to them on this podcast that people have kind of um, gotten into the idea of They Might Be Giants by hearing songs by them and not knowing it was like an actual band or like, oh, who's that band? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or, you know, back in the day where it wasn't as easy to just, uh, you know, pre-Google days. Pull them up on Spotify. Right. And- so like, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, fire up, you know, Shazam and uh, hold it up to the TV. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, I might have their entire back catalog just on the streaming service. Right. Uh, Man. Although obviously not the case with them, but so you're getting deeper cuts. Right. I know they still don't have my murdered remains, uh, <laughs> or, uh, the escape team. They said, yeah, two of their elms are still, they're refusing to put them on streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I think fans respect it enough to not put stuff up to YouTube. I don't know how much they've had to go through, how their management has like gone through and had to like, like flag stuff or oh, it's if, all automated uh, now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. They got a lot of, yeah. It's a lot to, for better or worse. There's, there's a lot of automation. There. Yeah. And, and they, they don't care about, I mean, there's lots of live versions of those songs up there. They, they're, they're pretty at this point pro, uh, 
fans bootlegging stuff. Yep. And, you know, I think fighting cell phone, you know, uh, photos and video, it shows is a losing battle at this point. You, oh yeah. You still hear about some people trying to do it, but yeah, they, they, I think they're, they're totally down with it now. And, uh, but yeah, as far as album versions of those go, still not on streaming, but so you getting into them, um, more knowingly getting into them just two years and change ago when the show started. Cause uh, again, you were hanging around with me having joined the band uh, <laughs> a little, a little bit before that. <laughs> so then you had it all at your fingertips. Yeah. How much, um, well, and also, I mean, you're, you're a wonderful patron of this show as well. And uh, have you, have you listened to every episode? I won't fault you if you haven't. I have not. I back, I'm, I'm way behind on my episodes. Um, I will admit there is another band uh, called the Mountain Goats. I think you might have heard of them. That <laughs> uh, I got kind of caught up with almost as prolific in terms of the, uh, the amount of songs that they've turned out. But um, yeah, I'm a little bit behind on, on these episodes. Yeah. Uh, have you listened to the podcast about them the uh oh yes I'm, I'm, oh yeah we'll like talk eagerly yeah. eagerly mm-hmm. waiting for season three of that one <laughs> yeah yeah i only listen to the mountain goats solid uh i mean they yeah that is uh out of all the bands that i could like feel like somewhat of an authority on to do a podcast on it would be you know my top three they might yeah. be giants mountain goats and probably jesus and mary chain um but like then then someone comes along and has an uh, has a podcast that he's on, so you know you can't top that. So that guy <laughs> yeah, kind of just squashed. I will listen to John. I will. I will listen to John Darnell uh, ramble on any day of the week. Dude is uh, brilliant. Dude is brilliant. He's, uh, he's brilliant. He's got a lot of great creative insights. So and he's as a do fan. the other two Johns. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he's a fan of They Might Be Giants and appeared right. on yeah. the episode for Apartment Four. I would love to talk to him again. He said he also, when we were trying to figure out which one he wanted to do, uh, he also wanted to do one everything because he he said on the episode, yeah, that he knew them back in the day and then got when he was in his uh, young drug fueled days, mainly listening to metal and other kind of stuff in the nineties and lost track of them and then. You know, he grew up and he got clean and he had uh, had a kid and uh, got into their kids zones, got, you know, reinvigorated yeah. on the band. And uh, it seems like uh, Here Come the One, Two, Threes is his, his jam. So I Oh, that is a great album. Even though there were a lot of technical issues and, and weirdness regarding having to deal with his management, you know, I, I mean, really regarding uh, technical issues with the way that their management wanted to do it. I'm not faulting his the manager there, but it was a mess doing that episode i would love to talk to him again and i still have his name next to one everything um <laughs> just in case he ever wants to do it i mean it's not uh those the, the kid songs are not nearly as uh hotly uh snatched up yeah you, you know that i'm on the list for at least one of those but the other one that uh i really would love to do is seven um oh, I, yeah, I don't yeah. i don't think i've told you this story but uh, my oldest mm-hmm is the first one who like asked by name to listen to the, uh, they might be giants. And we were listening to seven in the car one day and we get home. He's like, Hey dad, can I color? And I was like, yeah, sure. He went into his bedroom with a stack of paper and some colored pencils and basically outlined 
uh, a comic of the entire narrative of seven. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was just his thing. Just from memory. He wasn't even listening to it at the time. He just drew it all from memory. Oh, puppy. I'm hearing Husky yeah, now. She's, <laughs> she's in the back. <laughs> yeah. I do have you sign up for a uh, hot dog. Mm-hmm. But if, if you like, I mean, now that we're getting this episode done and checkmarked, uh, I can put you down for, uh, to do seven down the road if you'd like. Yeah, maybe we do a double feature for his episodes. I, uh, this year with my first graders, um, you know, this, this is the third year I've done a They Might Be Giants unit with my first graders, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing a, well, there won't be a program with parents, uh, due to everything this year we squeezed in the one last year right before spring break before everything went to hell um this year might just do a video thing i'm not sure but we still have learned all these songs and not having the pressure of like a oncoming program with parents uh i've i've added a bunch of songs just like okay well we don't need to like perfect every single one of these let's learn more songs so i added in um Omnicorn off of Y, I hadn't done before. I added mm-hmm. in um, I Can Add off of uh, the one, two, threes. And yep. I added in seven. And yeah, they love that one. The cool thing about that one, I mean, when we do the episode. It's the cake. It's the cake that does it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they love yelling <laughs> the, uh, well, the cool, the cool uh, adult tidbit, trivia tidbit of that one is that uh, it was almost a song for the else one of their proper grown-up oh, okay. albums, because it was some groove that they came up with with the Dust Brothers. And, like, that drum beat and that saxophone part, I mean, yeah. that... I mean, just picture them singing about anything other than, like, silly number sevens invading their house, and it would be, you know, an awesome regular They Might Be Giants song. I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean honestly, that's... The biggest reason why the kids' albums are on rotation in my car is because I can listen to them and not be annoyed. Like I can actually enjoy right. these kids' albums because they're, uh, yeah, the lyrics might be silly, and honestly, some of the lyrics are freaking brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, which one is it? The six and nine one. Um, yeah, <laughs> like it's just genius. Which kind of leads into this song too, but. Uh, there's a whole lot, like, there are so many layers in this song, uh, which I don't even think we've mentioned which song it is that we're going to talk about. Oh, we said, we, I, I mean, in the intro, I said we're talking about Call You Mom. Call You Mom. Baby. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I recently did an episode on Infinity, which is also on uh, 123s. Sure, yeah. Um, That's another great one. The only song in their catalog sung by Dan Miller and written by Dan Miller, uh, their mm. lead guitarist. Uh, that's a great one, too, that got shafted by not having a video. It does not have a video on the DVD or YouTube, for that matter. Um, mm. It is just audio. So uh, it's it's a great song that um, if people just watch the videos, they will miss. But yes, people have already heard that episode. But yeah, One, Two, Threes is great. I mean, there's a reason. They won a Grammy for that album. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, they knew what they're doing, but... The, uh, the the rumor is that there will be no more kids albums. I think they're kind of done with that. Um, but I'm, that's okay. I don't know. They have like, they kicked out like a hundred kids songs. So yeah, was, like, yeah, <laughs> the, the, they might be giants kids playlist on Spotify is something like 
uh, I think it's four, four or five albums. Yeah, five, uh, five kids albums. Yeah, yeah, it definitely plays for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <There's> plenty <laughs> of kids, plenty of kids songs. Yeah, yeah, I recently put out the well, the Robot Parade episode came out. I guess by the time this episode comes out, a couple months ago, uh, the Robot Parade episode came out, and uh, you should. It, I mean, these podcasts you don't need to listen to in order. You should jump ahead to the Robot Parade episode. You know Robot Parade, yes? Yes, yeah. That song is a very interesting history to it and many, 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 many versions. So I think uh, that that would be an interesting episode for you to, to jump yeah, to. Yeah, totally. Check that one out. Uh, so getting to... Uh, gro- well, okay, so getting into They Might Be Giants just so recently... Do you have a favorite uh, non-kids album, a favorite regular album of theirs, or are you just kind of playlisting it um, or shuffling it? I'm mostly shuffling it. Nanobots is definitely up there for me. Um, again, you know, newer album, newer sound. Uh, I can relate to it pretty pretty well. Um, so are you a bigger fan of their full band sound than uh the duo sound of the first four albums it it depends on the song right this is the same for me with uh with the mountain goats right there's Mm -hmm. some of the old stuff that's just like literally john in the in the tape recorder Mm -hmm. that really resonates with me and then there's also the polished stuff that the full band sound that yeah i dig it yeah. Um, I, I think you know this about me, but my musical taste is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything from classical to Pink Floyd to, uh, you know, some pretty deep jazz cuts. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. whatever it is that, that hits me. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, I, I, I fully agree. I was so excited that, uh, the mountain gets put out, uh, they're trying to pull a, a They Might Be Giants movie and put out two full albums in uh, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the one was a boombox recording uh, yep. due to the pandemic. And, you know, it's something Darnell actually told me personally that he would never do. When, he, when we interacted on Twitter for the first time, it was back when they put out uh, Transcendental Youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reviewed that album. I got sent in in advance uh, to review it for Punk News. And so I hit him up just to ask a couple things about the album. And then I was also like, I love the sound. I love the production that that album is full of horns. I love it. Um, but have you ever considered, you know, throwing it back to the boom box and doing a solo album? He's like, no, I don't think I'd ever want to go backwards. <laughs> and here we are. You know? I'm pretty sure at the time he probably also didn't think COVID was a no. possibility. So he'd be stuck <laughs> that kind of changed everything by yeah. himself. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that, uh, yeah, that there's a an, a song that keeps popping up on my my daily drive playlist. Uh, going to Georgia, the mm. recording of that, and at the beginning he's talking about how he he did a take of it. I think it's the going to Georgia. It might be Golden Boy. I might be confusing the two. Either way, one mm. of them he starts out with talking about like he did a recording of it. And he's like, I I was listening to it and I thought I could do better. So here it is. <laughs> like I've got, I've got my boots on now. So that's kind of always ensures a successful take. Yeah, uh, the Mountain Goats are another band that I got into through covers. Uh, yeah, through uh, we've we've covered the Mighty Giants. We've covered the Mountain Goats. We've also covered. I'm pretty Adam sure I got package. into the Mountain Goats because of our cover. Yeah, because we covered <laughs> dance music. But that's I got right. into the Mountain Goats through Adam and his package covering mm. going to georgia have you heard adam's mm-hmm. package cover of going to georgia 
I have not heard that. Oh cover. my god! I'm gonna have to look that up. <laughs> yeah, he, he was supposed to put out. I think eventually it did get put out on a seven inch. Uh, he wanted to do a seven inch of all Mountain Goats covers, and he recorded. Um, let's see, it was Alpha's Alpha Rat's Nest, I think. Um, Seed Song and Going to Georgia, and the seven inch. Whoever was gonna put it out, it didn't end up happening. So he put all three of them on his uh, 2000 album, uh, Redefining Music. And I loved the shit out of that album. And it had three Mountain Goats covers just on that album and a Madonna cover. <laughs> uh, um, and so, yeah, that was that was uh, that uh, was the first time I ever heard the Mountain Goats uh, and it was being covered. And then later I got into them when uh, we were working at the college radio station when We Shall All Be Healed came out. But anyway... Like I said, I could do a Mountain Goats <laughs> podcast, but that dude basically squashed the competition by getting John Darnielle to go on board and, and yeah, do it. So yeah. no one can top that, uh, getting you know the inside info. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, if Flansburg and Linnell started, I mean, they did have a They Might Be Giants podcast back in the day. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the mid-aughts. In the early I days, I did know that. Even being a late uh, TMBG fan, mm-hmm. didn't know that one. Um, but their their podcast was to kind of it was more like kind of like almost a variety show kind of thing where it was just like here's a demo of something, and then we're gonna yeah. do a little skit almost or whatever, <laughs> and then here's you know a different version of this song. Uh, I'm still w- waiting for you to adopt that format. <laughs> right. Got my, yeah. Got my costumes ready. We'll do. Yeah, we'll do an outdoor Lord podcast, but, except no one would listen. Um, <laughs> we, we'd have upwards of a dozen listeners, two of them being my parents. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like they, they're not like this is the story behind this song. And we're going to analyze all the lyrics. Like they would never do that. I mean, if they yeah. did, I would have to quit. There would be no way I could compete with that. <laughs> I don't think they would ever talk about like some of that either. Like there's a lot in some of these songs that, um, and this is one of the things that I really do love about the, 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 I only listen to the mountain goats podcast is John Daniel will break this down, but there's also a lot that I think, uh, the Johns just don't, they, they want people to interpret themselves. I think this song is definitely one of those two. There's a whole lot that you can dig into here. And that's why we're here. Yes. That's why we're here. I'm bringing it all back, baby. I mean, hell, the wiki and even before even before TMBW, the uh the fan site before that, I think it was just uh was it tmbg.org? I think is what it was. Um I don't know. I mean, there's been fan site. This band is just, you know, there's so many fanatics like myself and um a lot of tech-savvy people amongst the They Might Be Giants fan <laughs> ranks. So there have always been fan sites. I remember in college, pre-TMBW, there were interpretations on, like, fan interpretations of their songs on the prior fan site. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember scouring through those, even, you know, back in the early early aughts. So they're a band that uh, leaves their lyrics up to interpretation on most of their songs, pretty widely open to interpretation. So uh, if they're not going to tell us what they mean, we might as well take a swing at it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think this one's pretty uh, somewhat clear in terms of what it means. Um, There's definitely 
some interpretation left to, to be had. But sure, you um, want to do the also, lyrics before the music? Which, no, uh, I'd actually love to do the music first. Okay. I think there's a lot to dig into there. Oh God, yes, like a ton to dig into there. Starting with the opening chord. The song is in A, mm-hmm. and and the opening chord is in F major, <laughs> right? Like the the song literally starts with a completely atonal dissonant chord, and then drops a half step into the fifth. Like what the heck? <laughs> I know, right? Like, d- d- I I wonder what it sound like if you did an F sharp, uh, instead. I guess an F sharp minor just it would sound completely different it would sound wrong but i guess that's just because we know it as it sounds now but like that would be that would be what i would do because that's what i would do if i was writing a song because i'm not as creative and i'm i get myself stuck in these keys or if i'm gonna make a key change it's a deliberate thing i'm not like bouncing around outside of the key well willy-nilly but linnell that's that's his jam not that flansburg doesn't do it but linnell is just like God, uh, yeah, nearly every every Linnell song I I I jump into for the podcast. I'm like, wait, is this really an A major? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it is, right? But then you get, I mean, but then let's see, what chord does it? It does end on an A. Um, so the yeah, the intro starts a. on the on the <laughs> F and then goes to an E, but then the the whole the chorus and the the verses are definitely centered around a, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a very, like it's a very circuit surfer rock, um, like a little bit bluesy rock and roll chord progression too. Right. Like you have this mm-hmm. a that goes into an F to an E E seven to a D I think. Um, then back to the a. So it's, there's definitely that flat six that comes in there with the F chord. Um, yeah bluesy that's again it's yeah. a st- it's a style that t- i i like listening to old blues um and i respect the blues obviously uh, pretty much everything i listen to would not exist if it wasn't for the blues but like as far as like blues scales go that's not like if i'm like noodling around on a guitar that's not like my that's not my go-to i'm not like mm-hmm. And I would never want to be one of those, you know, I'm creeping up on 40. I wouldn't want to be one of those 40 year old (laughs) white guys just like in a blues band, just like rocking it out on the stage in the park at the summer and, you know, doing the mosey down Maine and I'm in some old guy blues band. Like, no, that's just, it's, it's not, it's not my jam. So that's part of what made learning this song so hard is that. Yeah, it's not a pattern you're used to playing. <laughs> like shit, B yeah. flat. Why is that in here? You know, well, that's why runs. Yeah, it's even. A, I mean, it's a little bit bluesy, but it's really that kind of classic surfer rock, right? That that yeah. guitar line in there is totally da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, really leaning into the lead guitar. But I think the the coolest thing to me is how this song builds. Right. So mm-hmm. you start at the beginning and it's kind of this chunking piano chords, but only when the guy's not singing. Right? right. Only when the narrator's not really singing the lines. And you have these instrumental breaks along with the guitars and then it kind of stops and then you hear the lyrics. And then he comes back in. That that um, was the only saving grace for me being able to pull this on off. <laughs> you get a little <laughs> bit of a break in between. <laughs> right. Cause I mean it's written by the keyboardist. But he yeah. he doesn't give himself the hard parts. 
Yeah. You know, it's just chunking those those keys. I mean, you were handling keys and sax alternating in this one because, yeah, I mean, that. Um, were you doing alto or tenor on this one? Tenor for this one. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. Like, if those were going while I was singing, I would be totally fucked. I'd be like, no, we can't do this song. <laughs> I mean, I could probably get it eventually, but like, yeah. the alternating was. was the saving grace because my brain jumping between okay which riff is this coming up because they're different every time and the and the final riff is always different depending on what part is coming next mm-hmm. right the 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 fourth riff of each time is different depending on whether it's going into a chorus or it's going into another repeat of the verse um and then trying to remember what lyric is coming next. So like while yeah. I'm playing this riff, that's kind of tricky for me because I'm not a blues guy. I'm also having to think about what words are coming next. And it was just like, it was my, all my brain could handle. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I mean, we only got one guitarist. So like, yeah, I got it. If someone's going to play the dude, it's got to be me. <laughs> Fortunately, the, you know, the, the first two thirds of the song, everything's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to that, there's the sax solely in the middle, um, which I absolutely love. And so I watched the, uh, you, you sent me a link for a live version that they did, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit different instrumentation from what they did in the recorded version. Um, so the live version, they've got a, I think, trumpet, trombone, and a tenor sax. Yes, those fellas um, are, they go by the name the Triceratops Horns. <laughs> It is Kurt Ram on trumpet, Dan Levine on trombone, and uh, Stan Harrison on sax. I believe he's yeah. playing a tenor there. Yeah, he's playing tenor. Uh, he, yeah, did you like that with the a lot more brassy? I did. It's very brassy, but I almost i I kind of like the recording better because of how simple it is. Yeah, right? you mean you have just the three being part, You have yeah, you have the three-part harmony in the live version, but in the recorded version, there's just two saxes. There's a tenor and a berry. Mm-hmm. But they man the way they voice the chords in there, um, along with the fact that they're both just growling crazy and the chords. Yeah. So I mean the 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 first chord in that sax solely is a B against the C sharp. Oh like, man, it's just that. like so. Yeah, it's so dissonant and in your face, and that whole <laughs> solely is kind of yeah. It's basically just like here's <laughs> two saxes blaring in your ear, but it sounds kind of cool, and it fits <laughs> in the chords. Like, uh, yeah, I, I really do love that sax solely section. Yeah, and it it starts the build into um, there's kind of two. Two halves of the story here, I think. Oh, I must um, also quickly credit Stan Harrison again as the sax on the... He's both saxes, I, I assume, on the record, too. Okay. Um, yeah. Linnell, at least on the credits, is not credited with a sax. You know, he did all their sax stuff back in the day. It, it seems like he does pitch a lot off to Stan Harrison lately. Um, but mm-hmm. he, he is the saxophonist that you see in that live version. He's the guy that's doing all the saxes on the... Uh, the recorded version as well. And uh, yeah, we can talk more about that live one later, but um, yes, continue. <laughs> Two halves. So, so without building, without digging too much into the lyric side, like there's this, there's definitely this build on the music side that builds with the narrative. Um, 
And I think this Saxoli is the first indication that something's going a little bit off with the narrator or the main <laughs> main narrator in the song. <laughs> so then we have, I think, another another chorus before mm-hmm. this really strange. This was what really like made this song for me, other than the initial chord that you know was completely off key and then led into an A uh, key center. But there's this build, there's this chromatic build uh-huh. after the second chorus that feels like you went somewhere totally different. Mm-hmm. But if you actually listen to it and you actually dig into the song, you end up back at the exact same place as the start of the song. Yeah, you end up back on that F. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing that changes is the lyrics and the fact that the piano just keeps on going. Right, the piano goes through the bricks. Uh, yeah. And it, I think the other thing that, that gives you that illusion of it going like it might be a key change or something, uh, even when it's not, is that Linnell bumps his vocal melody up higher. Mm-hmm. So the you know everything climbs up higher, ends up back where it started, but Linnell's voice is higher now, so it gives that kind of illusion. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, that's some a good sort point. of key change. But that chromatic thing, also the rhythm of it, I was trying to figure it's it's almost like it goes to like the like a quarter note triplet on the climb. It is a it's a dotted quarter note climb. Dotted yeah. quarter note climb. Yeah, because so I was trying to. I was like, it's not quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's almost like it goes into like three eight or something. It's just like yeah, it goes. It has that triplet feel, and then it goes straight back into the chunking eighth notes, right in the piano part. Yep. Yeah, so that like it, I think I had heard it so many times that it wasn't really something I had to think about. But like, mm-hmm. uh, it is kind of an unnatural rhythm, yeah, to build on. Um, we didn't really have any problem with it because we're all so talented. <laughs> but uh, it is it is odd. So you feel like not only like uh, there's some sort of key, you know, shift, uh, but it almost feels like it could go to another time signature or tempo. <laughs> yeah totally yeah um, i think the key there so it goes up goes from an a to an f so what is that nine half steps one two three four five six seven eight 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 half steps. yeah that would make more sense because that's divisible by four so it fits perfectly into a certain number of measures so you like it, it feels a little bit weird, but it totally fits in the time signature of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, yeah, actually, I was asking Cara this, and I meant to bring it up before. How did we end up deciding on this song? Because we had... You know, I, think we, I, we knew, I think I called it out. <laughs> yeah, because we did... So at the... Because then we were, we were also doing Dirt Bike mm-hmm. live, which was super fun. We, me busting out the trombone and car getting on trumpet with you two saxes. And then, uh, um, and then Dr. Worm of course was already in our, in our, our arsenal, but like, I couldn't remember if like I pitched out a few like saxy type songs to you guys. No, I'm pretty sure I pulled this one out. Okay. <laughs> it was just like, Hey, we should do this one. Yeah. Um, the sax instrumentation was definitely a, a deciding factor there for me. Um, and then also the you know the piano part, but yeah, yeah, yeah it really felt like it's fun. a good cover for us. So it's, it's a really great song. Yeah, the style of this one, like we've mentioned, blues and surf, and then that like pounding piano. It's almost like 
got this little Richard style, just aggressive yes. piano thing. Yeah, where, exactly. Yeah, it's this whole mash of like, you know, mid fifties to early sixties rock styles would be, you know, they're all influenced by blues. And then you got the early rock and then you've got the, you know, the surf guys, it's obviously a, a sub genre of rock. Um, but this song has all of that. And more. And, and more. <laughs> and it has the Linnell weirdness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The little Richard so just- did have some weird lyrics. <laughs> yeah that's very true the surf guys they don't think, deal with any lyrics they're just like oh, i'm just gonna play guitar uh closing out the instrumental side you know that you have this build up you have the really last the last verse and chorus that are we'll get to the lyric side of that in a minute but um you know after all of this build the song feels like it completely ends with no closure, and then there's just this <laughs> ending riff with just the saxes playing that that outro line. Um, it's so so yeah, I mean, the, so, yeah, the whole coda. thing just yeah. builds in such a great organic way, um, and it really fits when when we start to talk about the lyrics and how all of that plays into it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Th- that ending also fools the crowd at the. Um, I know the, <laughs> they start clapping and cheering, and then they're like, "Oh wait, we're not done yet." <laughs> I feel like this this is a good spot. I feel like to to drop in that that live clip now since we keep talking about it. Uh, so I'll put that in right here. This is from the debut of the song, uh, pre Nanobots by about. Four five months the, i think the first song that was from nanobots right it was, it was the first song that was released um so it had been released on their soundcloud on december 12th um but then nanobots didn't come out until march but so no. the song had been in the world for like a couple weeks and they debuted it live um of course in new york uh december 29th 2012 at uh, their stomping grounds, the music hall, uh, Williamsburg Music Hall. So let's check that out. And 
people should go watch it if uh, if they want to see Linnell make some funny faces when he messes up lyrics, <laughs> which <laughs> I I love that too. It's just it it made me feel a lot better when I found this because I'm just like for all the times that I was screwing up lyrics while I was thinking about the next guitar lick. It's yeah. like even Linnell, you know, they're like we're still figuring it out too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we only played it twice live. You know, we're not going to get it perfect. They might be giants. Couldn't get it perfect. I believe he hit some wrong notes on the piano, too, at some point in one of the breaks. But Yeah, nobody notices those. No, 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 no. <laughs> you notice the lyrics more because he, like, starts making funny faces. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, lyrics, then. I think the first thing we need to do, obviously, there's a lot of... Um, Freudian and uh, Oedipus Rex type of things we can talk about. So I'm going to play this little clip from an interview they did with the weekly feed with um, Kyle Meredith is the guy interviewing them. This is from March of 2013. So right after the album came out um, where Linnell dubs this song and Oedipus Pan being uh, Oedipus Rex and Peter Pan combined. So let's, mm. uh, let's check that out. I shouldn't be. So no, they're, they're, they're dark songs. I mean, um, you know, call you mom. I feel like is one that we're going to be talking about for a while, <laughs> but it's it, it's at know. first it turns creepy, but then you think that character is just sad. That's mm-hmm. a sad yeah. character. I don't. Is it so? It's, to me, it it seems. I don't know. Doesn't seem <laughs> like so what. Twisted. Like there is something in the in, in the title alone that leads to a great backstory, an unsaid backstory. You know. Like, I'd like to I speak to the mom? women. I'd like to speak to the women watching this this whatever, wherever <laughs> this is going to show up. Um, you know, the idea of. of Men sort of being on a Peter Pan kind of trip. I don't think that's uncharted territory. I don't think that's an familiar idea. Sure. You know, sure. I think the song is kind of tapping into a, a more that, a kind of universal <laughs> thing among contemporary men in the mm-hmm. culture. And uh, you know, while the men might not want to admit it, I think I think the women know what's going on. Well, Peter Pan, uh, <laughs> you bring that up. They might Peter be Pan and Oedipus. I think, well, yeah. well, that, no, Oedipus that, Pan. That brings up a point. <laughs> Oedipus Pan seems like it should be something entirely at this point. Uh, can you use "They Might Be Giants" to never have it's to? It's just grow call up? you mom. It's just call you mom, right? It's not. It doesn't go any. It's you know. No, no. It's. Do you need to retrace the song? Right no, now? no, Are no. Are you trying no. to think like what did no, I I'm say? Just, no, no, no. No, no. Do you guys get to use this band? You wrote that great song. Do you guys get to use this band though as an excuse to never ever have to grow up if you don't want to because you've got a great reputation. Oh, oh you're able to use that. Oh, well, that's hardball, man. No, 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 no. You know the truth. We're not going that deep. The truth is that you know we you know we are. You know, one of the things that's 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 tough about being like uh, uh, professionally happy is that people <laughs> really look at you know if you're having a, like a hard a hard day, you know, people are just wondering. It's like, how come Krusty's in such a you know mood? You know, it's just like it's 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 yeah, we're adults. You know, we got adult problems. Sure. You know, like we you know we can you know there are big challenges in our lives that are you know hard to. Uh, but you have a license. Like you can get away if you wanted to. Not, we're not going to question either one of you. It's like they get to. That's the I, might, they might be. Well, I think, oh, I think I you're right that we officially get to do stuff that we don't even give ourselves permission to do. Yeah. You know, we don't. And and which is at this at our age now is actually completely uninteresting to us. Sure. So you know we, you know I mean not to. It's not just about the cliched mm-hmm. rock lifestyle, but that's certainly something that which is awesome. Just John and I essentially yeah. passed on. You know, yeah. like we we. That's the we Peter were Pan we were in our twenties in a rock band and we didn't take advantage of it then and so right. now it's you know sort of like well should I start now you know should I vomit on myself now <laughs> is it would that be a smart thing to do but I guess I guess you know there is this 
interesting idea because we have like humor in what we're doing that people assume that we're not just a total drag and and I just I'm here to say we are a total, total drag. We are a total yeah. drag. Yeah. That's the one license we do afford ourselves. <laughs> a, it's the life of the gesture, right? <laughs> yes, Always the yes. sad clown with No the one understands. <laughs> so then he kind of goes on more to talk about how like they uh um like oh well you picked this profession where you never have to grow up and they <laughs> I'll probably play a little bit more of it too where um Linnell says he's like well we never really did the whole cliched rock and roll lifestyle thing and now we feel like it's a little too late to dive into that now he's like should i throw up on myself now would that be a good time (laughs) yeah it's like these guys i'm gonna have to watch this whole thing yeah it's pretty it's pretty great i hadn't i hadn't seen it till today but it's like these guys, and uh, I know the joke is about like Weird Al too. Like if VH1 mm-hmm. did a behind the music on They Might Be Giants, it would be like the caffeine these guys are ingesting is it's dangerously high amounts of caffeine, <laughs> and like that would be <laughs> the scandalous bit. And it's like, oh, the, there's a part in the uh, gigantic documentary where like. Uh, the tour bus they've run out of coffee filters or something it's this emergency <laughs> and like i think they use like they use some other sort of paper they've i don't know if it was just like they like made a cone of newspaper and they're like oh, okay <laughs> get the coffee going <laughs> it's like that's that's the drama that's going on with mf giants but um yeah so i want to hear your thoughts on this uh <laughs> this song starts out strong Right, <laughs> the, the, the very first line of the song, and this is also kind of what grabbed me on this song is um, I have a habit of turning on a playlist in the background while I'm working, mm-hmm. and every once in a while, like the lyrics or the song or the melody or something will just jump out and like, grab me. And this one was definitely one of those. Oh, yeah. The very first line is, I think I'd like to call you mom. It's not, hey, I've been thinking, and maybe if you're okay with it, I, could I call you mom? Or would you be okay with me calling you mom? It's like, hey, I think I'd like to call you mom. Just completely, completely out of the blue, no context. I think I'd like to call you mom. You remind me of my mom. It's it's one of those things like it. It's a weird thing where, you know, uh, someone might refer to yeah someone they're attracted to is like a hot mama or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, mama Sita, right? Or right, yeah. You my, know, my dad or, called my mom mother uh, for the longest time because it would drive her nuts. <laughs> and so oh, to not okay, because so. he went, like not because of anything he thought of her, just because when he was like. Okay, mother. She would just get this look on her face. Okay, like, that's so a totally different like a thing. Mic. But this dude's just like, hey, I think I think I'd like to call you mom. So with your dad, it wasn't like the uh, sincere Mike Pence calling his no, wife mother. No, it was thing. making <laughs> almost making fun of Mike Pence's of the world. Right. So this isn't yeah. like, hey, I think you're a hot mama. This is. I think I'd like to call you mom. Like mom. Yeah. That's just yeah. You, there's you actually remind me of my mom. <laughs> Um, I think I'd like to call you that. <laughs> I know most, goes most guys on. wouldn't admit that, but I, I, you remind yeah. me of my mom. Yeah, mm. you remind me of my mom. And no woman wants to hear that. <laughs> I have these weird flashbacks. So, so you know, the, the picture that I get when listening to this 
primary narrator. And I, I mentioned earlier, I really think there's kind of two in this song. Okay. One of them silent. The, the, the one that's singing is the one that's primary. Um, <laughs> but you definitely hear him like, he tells her, I'd like to call you mom. And then he starts to go into what I think is kind of reminiscent of his childhood. And I think this this is definitely reflected on the wiki, right? Like the, the sailor suit thing, mm-hmm. um, rolling a hoop is definitely an older uh, pastime sport, oh, I've, I guess. I'm learning all about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew about rolling a hoop. I did not think I would ever hear it in a, a modern <laughs> song, but... There you have it. I, I guess it comes along with sailor suits. I'm trying um, to think of where I would have heard or where I would have seen like in a cartoon. Like, you know, there's a lot of like when when we were growing up, it's like there were contemporary cartoons, but you're always going to see Mickey Mouse old stuff. You're going to see Looney Tunes old stuff. I'm pretty sure hoop rolling predates all of that. Even Greg. that. Right. But like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's a that's an old school reference. The sailor suit is at least like. 50s and 60s, you've got some early pictures around the JFK times of his kids that um, yeah. wearing the sailor suit. That definitely harkens back to um, kind of Great Depression era a little bit after. But hoop rolling was definitely, I think, before that. Even the sailor uh, suit as a kid's thing, I was looking looking this up. It, it, it first popped up as a kid's fashion in uh, 1846. When- sure. Four-year-old okay. Albert Edward, Prince of Wales, was given a scaled-down <laughs> version of the uniform worn by the royal yacht. And his miniature sailor suit, there's even like a painting of him, um, yeah. him wearing this little sailor suit. And like, yeah, like uh, the Wikipedia page for these, this was a really old uh, photo of a boy in uh, Australia. So this was like a fashion that was all over, I think, the English-speaking world. Pretty much, I I think though it it's gotten though even these days you'll see um and there, there's a spot on the Wikipedia here for it too that that Asian school uniforms sometimes have mm-hmm. a sailor kind of theme to them so which is hilarious so yeah I think it's fallen out of style definitely on the the American side but yeah. there there's definitely that whole um. The military school uniform aspect of childhood is, I think, uh, a mm-hmm. worldwide thing that's still pretty prevalent, at least in a lot of circles. Right. The sailor suit in particular, like the, the very distinctive collar of it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of this, this fashion, this kid's fashion almost had a reverse effect on it where like when I see someone in like a Navy uniform now, like that that style of it, I mean, I know that always like multiple <laughs> different, it looks... Like childish, childish to me, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, and I think there's also, I think part of that too. There's definitely an aspect, at least in terms of the the U.S. sailor suit, um, you know, the the, the dress whites, mm. um, that pure white look is very innocent, right? Um, so like, you haven't been playing in the dirt. You're 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 a good little boy. You're just sitting here waiting to. To be talked to, like, <laughs> but then I think yeah, that's, kind, that's almost kind of the, again with the narrator there, like when he talks about I'm going to take off my sailor suit and lay face down on the <laughs> lawn. Like you wouldn't do that in the sailor suit. You don't get down on your, he, he you know, on your hands and knees in the grass if you're wearing your sailor suit. You're going to mess up your whites. 
And and then the uh, the hoop rolling, I still just like racking my brain as to where I mean maybe in an old cartoon where they were even referencing even older stuff because mm-hmm. I know I mean I just can't pinpoint it where I would have seen that before. But and I'm wondering if you know listeners of this podcast that you know I've started having guests on now that people that listen to the podcast that are uh, I just recorded an episode with a with a 17 year old fan. Mm-hmm. And have they ever seen? images of someone rolling a hoop i mean the the yeah you might hear have they ever seen anyone just, in a sailor suit like <laughs> that's not super popular in the states these days right yeah and the the hoop rolling thing is just i i've you know i've kids roll hula hoops around and stuff so like <laughs> right. that this, this could easily be something that could be turned back into a, a game easily you know the the equipment is there the hula hoops are there so you just need a stick and yeah. to uh, push the, <laughs> the hoop along, right? Uh, and then kids are like, why the heck are you rolling a hoop with a stick? Why don't you just roll it with your hands? It's funny, the uh, the stuff I've been looking at even like, and some I even watched some videos of like pioneer days, uh, you know, they'll have like, you know, like old timey towns and stuff. Kids will go on a field trip. There is this video of these this uh, woman dressed in old time garb teaching kids how to how to roll the hoop and uh it was it was pretty hilarious but i'm like man it looks fun like the kids were having a blast you know sure you know there's all these fancy toys for kids you know and then they just play with the box you know just give them just give them a hoop uh you know you'll see like i think this this main picture on the wikipedia page for hoop rolling it looks like they've taken the tire uh like it's like maybe a, a bicycle tire went flat or something or got you know torn and they've got the hoop of the uh the, just the rim of the, uh, mm-hmm. the bike wheel, and they're hitting it with these these sticks, rolling it down the sidewalk. And yet, in 1922, so like you said, yeah, even a little pre Great Depression. Um, yeah, though they they've traced it back to uh, Africa and even ancient China and ancient Greece, just as like an actual yeah, it like, goes way legitimate back. game of skill, like not just for. I mean, I, I can definitely see that, too. Like, just trying to imagine rolling a hula hoop down the street with my bare hands, mm-hmm. first of all, would be a trick. And then trying to do it with a stick is just like, uh, <laughs> who do you think I am, Michael Jordan? Like, <laughs> come on. No. Yeah. And, and For then, all the kids that are listening to this podcast, Michael Jordan was a big basketball star <laughs> and then got into baseball and golf and all this other stuff. <laughs> It was not as good at the- was not as good as he was at basketball. <laughs> uh, apparently, there's even a variation with with metal hoops where you use a metal hook and guide it with a metal hook instead of a uh, stick. But you know, I'm waiting for like the curling version of this, right? Where you got the right. you got the stick, you got the hoop, you got the broom. We're just gonna like we're just gonna combine all these sports. We got winter. Winter right. hoop yeah. rolling, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And you, and you and you have to roll the hoop a certain distance. It's not just you can't just let it roll. It's got to stop <laughs> in the right. right spot. Yeah, you got to stop it. Right. It's got to fall within or curling. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we have like a combination of curling, hoop rolling, and like uh, what is that Shuff- shuffleboard? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's perfect. But this would be—I mean, it would be good exercise because, like, it gets you—you you know—in a brisk jog, you know, to keep up with the thing. <laughs> It's, you know, I think more kids should be rolling a hoop like our narrator here. But, but yeah, so is this, is, 
he's thinking back to his childhood. So is this is this song taking place in the past? Like, what kid is is like you know? If yeah, the, and this, let's say this, the narrator was John Linnell's age. Yeah. You know, growing up in the seventies, I don't think you were wearing sailor suits and rolling a hoop. So I don't know. It's it's already like an old timey song, even if he's thinking back to his childhood. Yeah, and this is where it kind of gets into like where I start thinking deeper about this narrator's perspective. I don't know how literal he's being in all of this. Oh, right. Yeah. There's there's it's definitely a butter, right? Yeah, there's definitely a certain amount of um he's trying to give the impression that uh, or or the um the reasoning behind he wants to call you mom but not necessarily the exact reasons it's kind of like these this is the way i feel about this mm-hmm. um so it's where i definitely <laughs> there's totally the oedipus uh side of things here the freudian side of things but i do think that there's things in the song especially when we get into the the second half or i guess the second the third third of the song mm-hmm. um so we have this beginning right he's laying all of this out there he's like i'd like to call you mom this is what it makes me think about and then you have these like the, the horn solely and then this building chromatic part where at the end of that the verse lyrics are definitely like okay i freaked you out right <laughs> you were down with that <laughs> i realize now that i kind of messed up a bit but i'm okay with that and i'm gonna move on <laughs> yeah right? so that the lyric that comes right after that is the i see you moving towards the door because you don't trust me anymore <laughs> yeah exactly and he also ramps it up like i said the vocal melody goes goes higher there too mm-hmm. i see you moving towards the door because <laughs> yeah trust you me you totally feel like he's started to express this and throughout the song, like there's just this tension building. <laughs> and honestly, the tension starts with the first chord. Like I said before, <laughs> we're starting in an atonal chord. But then, like as the song goes on, you can feel this is where I say, I think, I feel like there's a silent narrator too, mm-hmm. where you just feel this tension build. It's almost like you as the audience is the silent narrator. And you're just like, what mm-hmm. the hell is going on right now? <laughs> he's just like i feel you moving towards the door you don't trust me anymore and then he moves on to uh you know essentially just kind of passing it off Uh which i think is really telling and i think this is where the the oedipus and the freudian complex kind of break down for me Mm -hmm. um because it's not so much about he he wants his mom in the literal sense. Um, but he's looking for some sort of, uh, some sort of replacement there for that relationship. Yeah. It's, it is like, um, I mean, obviously the whole back to Sophocles writing, you know, the original Oedipus Rex, um, Mm -hmm. I think his was the original, but, um, or the most famous version of that. And, it's 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 complicated in that you know he in that play that tragedy he oedipus kills his dad to be with his mother right um there's no mention of dad in this whole narrative Mm -hmm. um but in this one he wants to call her mom but it then he gets to very quickly that like his mom was kind of shitty to him (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. She doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah. And that's where, that's where this, this third chorus. So if you notice there's, there's three choruses in the song, the first two are identical, right? He's talking mm-hmm. about how, when, when we, when we go, go out, out, you know, all of this stuff, it's all about him. Mm-hmm. But then the third chorus, he gets into this, this third character that comes into play. Yeah. This, this one Pretty in the future, change. he's like, right. he's projecting himself onto her. And she wants him, she wants to view him, or he wants her to view him the same way he views the second narrator and, and the mom. Right. Yeah, even that, before it gets to the chorus, because it's, it's um, he says, yeah, and then I'm going to call her you. Yeah, yeah, that, was the, of you. that right. was the line that was really key to me. It's like, he's not even saying, I'm going to call her mom. He says, I'm going to call her you, because she reminds <laughs> me of you. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna dress her in a sailor suit. That yeah. would look very cute. That's the one. And then I'm gonna ignore the big lyrical her. change. I loved singing that part. That would look very cute. <laughs> and then he like basically he recounts the same thing that he felt with his mom and his you know narrator Pew, his girlfriend or whatever. But she's gonna feel that way. I'm gonna make her feel that rejection. Mm. And it's just like whoa. Hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, and then she's rolling the hoop. Yeah, it all changes mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And she turns around to find that I am gone, which was exactly like her mom. Yeah. She will go hang up her sailor suit and lie face down on a lawn. So it's, yeah, you now see what it's like. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's, uh, again, like, I know neither one of us have psychology degrees, so this is all completely, I'm sure the Johns don't either. Um, but it, it's it's definitely a really, this is one of the weird things that draws me to this song, is it's just like, what the hell is going on in this guy's mind? And there's a lot there that's just like, I don't, I really don't know. The first, at first blush, you know, the first verse, the first uh, chorus, I want to think that, he has some sort of Oedipus complex, but then the more the song goes on, it's just like, no, this guy, uh, it feels like he's probably felt some sort of really hard rejection at some point. Maybe it was really early. This is mentioned a few times in the wiki um, and the interpretations tab, like maybe he lost his mom early on. Mm. And so that rejection is more of like a, she didn't necessarily snub him, but he didn't have that. Uh, and so now he's looking for that and he's to me it feels like he's looking for somebody who's also felt that uh, uh, yeah I didn't uh, I, I, I glanced through the interpretations but I didn't read them all in full because um, yeah there, there were a lot I mean especially for a modern era song like there's a shitload mm-hmm. of interpretations here like almost the amount that you'd find with like a song off flood or something but um yeah, because this this song, like, it would be interesting enough if it just stayed in the kind of perspective of the first two thirds of the song. Yeah. But then that twist, it's like Linnell's not happy to just have it be about this weird kind of creepy guy who, you know, just is thinking about his childhood and wants to get with his a woman that's like his mom. He twists it there because it's just, and this is all in three minutes like the song is barely over three minutes and it takes you so many places musically and lyrically it's it's 
it's nuts to think about and just makes me so jealous as a songwriter because like i can like uh, even approaching this level of complexity to what's essentially a, a, a pop rock song you know with all yeah. the uh different genre influences and the chord progressions and the lyrical twists just like it's i'm just so envious of like the talent of these guys yeah yeah and and that's where like the the lyrics the music it all really builds together um and i i honestly feel like the the fake uh key change plays into it too Mm -hmm. right like you have this build up to oh we're going somewhere else but we didn't really go anywhere else it's still the same the same story it's just being kind of projected on somebody else yeah and it's musically building tension as like you said the lyrics are building tension yeah um yeah and it still settles into that same spot but it <laughs> it's it you, you it makes you think that it went and the lyrics take you someplace else yeah same same story different girlfriend <laughs> um there's an interesting so i went through a lot of these interpretations yeah. on the wiki um the one that i thought was the most interesting is um somebody calling out that like everybody is calling out the Oedipus side of this thing, but they view it more as uh, being kind of a little bit more of a parallel to Hamlet mm. in that Hamlet doesn't necessarily know uh, throughout the, the, the story that um, he, that he's really like into his mom mm -hmm. and starts to project that onto his girlfriend. And I think that's kind of similar here where he's like, he's not coming out and saying, Hey, <laughs> the first thing's not, I think I want to bone my mom. <laughs> that would be um, a different band. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the ween version. Or the, yeah, uh, that's I right. That. <laughs> um, I think I'd like to bone my mom. <laughs> that's, that's the fourth chorus. <laughs> I got a really sexy mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I thought it was interesting, you know, drawing the parallels between this this older um, this older story and kind of a, a slightly newer take on it. And obviously, I think you know Hamlet has some pretty strong ties to uh, to the Oedipus series, and so yeah. like to Odysseus. And and I think there's definitely something there. But I do think that there's probably some sort of parallel with this song as well. Um, yeah. In the sense that, like, the narrator doesn't necessarily know what, like, what or why they're drawing these relationships. Right. This is why he, he needs to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have someone figure it out for him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, um, I often can't credit the, um, interpretations tab people but the one is labeled i think i'd like to call you gertrude is the one yeah that, yeah at. that's the one i'm talking about <laughs> credit to apollo colloquia it's whoever that might be apollo um made that interpretation way back uh, a few months after the album came out in 2013 um yeah i don't think we got a real name here so it says they live in Philadelphia on their TBW thing, but that's about all we got. So, um, yeah, some good insight there. There's a lot of people chipping in on this song. 
Yeah, and, and even even they call out like that. This is probably not necessarily what Linnell had in mind when he was writing the song, mm-hmm. but that's that definitely feels like to me the context here. Even if it's not a direct um, reference to Oedipus Rex or Hamlet or whatever it is, like well, I think that the, interview tells us that you know it's probably is Oedipal in some way, but the Hamlet thing, I mean. The Johns are so well read, though. I mean, yeah, I can guarantee 100% that uh, Linnell is familiar with <laughs> a lot of Shakespeare. There's definitely <laughs> some reference there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think actually one of the ones that kind of that stood out for me on this interpretations page because almost everybody calls out the, the Oedipus um, relationship. Um, the one after that says musically call you mom is like a minor key version of yakety sax <laughs> no yakety yak <laughs> or yakety yak yeah that's right and that, that was coasters, one yeah. just like wait a minute i gotta come back and listen to it and i gotta say they're not too far off yeah um, they're, they're not yeah uh bring out the paper and the trash yeah. or bring in the paper at the chest and it's this little yeah, yeah like the words the, music the same words, call music. and response with the lyrics and the the, the instrumental or oh, you won't um, get that spin in cash and i'm just like yeah i'm trying to get yak the yak back in my head now i'm kind of singing the yak the yak lyrics to the call you mom melody which yeah. totally, then you can totally do a mashup <laughs> i'm totally gonna drop in yak the yak here because that song you <laughs> How can you not be happy listening to Yakety Yak? It's just such a fun song. Take out the papers and the trash. Or you don't get no spending cash. If you don't scrub that kitchen floor, you ain't gonna rock and roll no more. Yakety Yak! Don't talk bad. Just finish cleaning up your room. Let's see that dust fly with that broom. Yeah, it's that, I mean, it's that old school, you know, rock and roll style. It's, uh, you know, Linnell didn't invent this, you know, riff, sing, riff, sing, riff, sing kind of technique. Yeah. He's pulling from a lot of, uh, a lot of music that came before him, but mashing it together into this They Might Be Giants way, which uh, that's what makes it so great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do think the last... Uh, the last interpretation, at least when we're recording this, um, about the bad boyfriend is probably the one that I agree with the most in terms of like he he's kind of grown up in this fairly sheltered uh, mommy takes care of me lifestyle mm-hmm. and is looking for that in his life partner. And when he starts to voice that, like she gets freaked out as most people probably should (laughs) (laughs) not not to shame anyone who is is in in line with that relationship that's all fine if right everyone's in for it but um you know when she gets freaked out and leaves he's just kind of like he's indignant about it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like okay well uh obviously you have a problem so i'm gonna (laughs) go find someone who wants this for me I'm going to find the woman who's going <laughs> to cook for me and clean up after my shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, Flans is the one that, that does a lot of the talking in the clip we played. Yeah. About how, yeah. What did he say? Like most uh, modern men uh, would not admit or realize that their 
you know, acting like a kid who needs mm-hmm. to be taken mm-hmm. care of. But uh, yeah, whatever, whatever he said there that, uh, yeah, m- most women, uh, will notice that. <laughs> well, I, the man I might think, not notice it about himself. <laughs> yeah. I think that that plays a little bit into the absurdity of the, the childhood references they make to, mm-hmm. right? right? Like, um, if you're viewing this from any sort of a modern standpoint, you're probably, you probably weren't a kid that grew up wearing sailor suits and rolling hoops. <laughs> And, and the idea that that's your, um, both your, your mom, but also your girlfriend or wife or whoever, like, I I think it just kind of calls out, like, that's a pretty antiquated view Mm -hmm. and it gets a little bit more absurd the further we go along. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then it gets even, it gets even stranger when we flip the table. Right? right when we when we when we switch sides and say, "Hey, I want a girl that wears a sailor suit. And that'd be pretty cute. Yeah. And roll some hoops. <laughs> like that'd be pretty awesome." <laughs> I'll be staring at her, <laughs> dreaming of her rolling hoop. Oh yeah, roll that hoop. <laughs> but then I'm gonna ignore her because that's what you know. That's what you do when you right. care about someone. Right. <laughs> Can I also just say that the, the the mental picture I get of someone lying face down on the lawn is just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only times I've seen that are uh, my four-year-old and <laughs> drunk friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? yeah, just face plant, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is no, there's no rational mind, rational adult mind that lays face down on the lawn. <laughs> and I like how... Yeah, and he he hangs up the sailor suit like he's putting it on a hanger nicely. Oh yeah, like, you put to that knock up. It at thirty, but then he ends up face first <laughs> on the lawn. So he had to go yeah. inside to hang up the sailor suit. You can throw your tantrum, up. but you have to do your chores. <laughs> like you have to do what's right first. <laughs> that's the part that my kid would definitely skip. By the way, yeah, uh, that sailor suit would be dirty. <laughs> you put him in the sailor suit, and then they go lay face down on the lawn. Man. Yeah, this song is just, it was so much fun to sing. I, I do think we should bring it back, much to Cara's chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> so hard, but it's so fun. My God. Um, yeah, just trying to relearn those those licks. They came back to me fairly quickly. Um, it was more of the chord progressions that were, were getting me. And we, uh, I, I'd say we'll move into the cover section, as it were, now. Mm-hmm. So if uh, since we've already done it, the outdoor velour cover is pretty a faithful cover, right? We take it like mm-hmm. roughly the same tempo. I think I put a little more distortion on my guitar, but you know that's what I do. But other than that, it's fairly faithful cover. I'd say if we're gonna cover it, we make it like a quiet storm version, mm-hmm. where because I do think it would be pretty hilarious to hear program drums attempting. Yeah marty's drum part in this song which is just a bonkers drum part and marty i mean marty told me uh marty was the one signed up for this song before management told him to not talk about <laughs> right the, like, yeah i remember you told me that yeah <laughs> i might so, be replaced on this one yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you you took over on this i mean marty's told me this is when i asked him do you have a favorite song to drum he said it was this one i mean the drum part's great uh, we didn't even really talk about the drum part. If you listen to it throughout the piece, it builds too. Mm-hmm. Like it builds just as much as everything else. That's it, 
the the thing that really stands out to me with this song and what really makes me say it's genius is everything builds in at the same level right mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. definitely these stages of you have the the beginning of the song and it's kind of like okay this is a little bit weird and then it gets a little bit weirder and then you have <laughs> these builds that are just like wait what just happened <laughs> right there's the sax breakdown part and that's where the drums start getting a little bit crazy they start going and, through the breaks a little bit yeah they they start to build through the breaks and then you have the really big build and then same as the piano part like at the end of the song every single lyric line i'm pretty sure there's a drum break after yeah there's, right? there's they, just like fills, it's like he's all just fills. going crazy <laughs> yeah it's all fills by the end yeah, yeah and steve steve hinkley our our drummer he was a big fan of playing this song too i mean i'm we would definitely outvote Kara and 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 bring this back into the set list because <laughs> all the rest of us were like fuck yeah and i mean Kara likes the song it was just it's hard yeah um yeah the drums I mean, I'm, are i'm thinking too drums. if we do it if we do a recover of this the, the quiet storm cover as you mentioned uh, I think the sax solely might need to be replaced by a, a melodica solely. Do you have a melodica? <laughs> I totally have a melodica. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> we just I don't replace have. it with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's 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 all on you. I'll I'll handle the uh, <laughs> the guitar and the drum programming, and you can do whatever else you want over it. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I think it'd be cool to kind of keep it and to be a little less work on ourselves, like not even worry about bass guitar or, you know, any sort of craziness with that. I'll just sing and play guitar and not, and, you know, not make it too yeah. fancy, which is usually my, my, my go-to is to throw everything on just fucking everything in the kitchen sink on top of it. <laughs> um, and this one, we'll just throw a couple things. I think we'll, we'll leave the kitchen sink. out. <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, like, I kind of want to go childlike with this and do the melodica as the horns and the keyboard sound is like the most chintzy, like cheap keyboard piano sound that we can like maybe even just a synth keyboard sound. Dude, have I ever told you about, this is making me think of, um, have you ever heard the band self? Yeah. Okay. Have you heard the, the album Gizmodry? I don't think so. The album was entirely recorded on children's instruments. Okay, yeah. And it, it's all originals, though. They do do a cover of um, What a Fool Believes with the Tubi Brothers. <laughs> and just everything sounds just so thin and rinky-dinky, but, like, in the most awesome way. I got to – I'll send you a link of, of some of this stuff. And that's kind of making me think that, yeah, like, drum programming, like, hearing um, – I'll see what I can find. I mean, I also have some of these, like my little tiny keyboards I've gotten at garage sales over the years. I also have some pretty hilarious drum sounds on them. Um, yeah. So you hear those drum fields being like, like just like symbols. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like this. If we could get this piano part, that's just kind of like the super basic, like '80s style synth kind of like a keyboard or kind of like a piano mm-hmm. and then these fake drum sounds a melodica for the horn section like okay we got to do this <laughs> let's just say okay let's just say this is happening we've yeah. got this this this, this is probably episode, what i'm recording right after we get off of this. this yeah i mean this episode will be f- four or five weeks away so we got we got the time okay august 20th greg here so 
we did eventually end up doing this cover. Now, this episode was recorded so long ago, and we kept sitting on it because we had to finish this cover, uh, and ended up it ended up on the Purple Toupee compilation. So some of the ideas we talked about were retained, like the kids' instrument uh, idea. The melodica didn't end up happening, so I played the kazoo to replace the sax parts. Andy did a chintzy little keyboard, as he called it. We had our drummer, Steve Hinckley, play on my daughter's tiny, tiny drum kit. And, and I also put in some simple drum machine uh, and a bunch of old keyboards. Uh, Joe played my old Speak in Music Texas Instruments keyboard, uh, my Rapmaster keyboard, and a Casio tone that I have. And Kara took over the lead instead of me. So here it is in full, our version of Call You Mom. Echo level one, play. I think I like to call you mom. Cause you remind me of my mom. I'm gonna go put on my sandsuit. And we'll go out on the town. Why don't you let me call you that? You're acting so much like my mom. She didn't like it when I called her name. You and
So that's available for purchase as a download or on the two-disc CD for Purple to Pay, the charity compilation I keep mentioning. Go to thismightbeapodcast.bandcamp.com. You can purchase that as a single song, but I recommend getting the entire album because it is very, very awesome and for a good cause. So uh, continuing with the episode. The lack of other covers kind of speaks to, like, this is a little bit of a normal surfer rock blues progression, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this is not. Uh, yeah, it's a simple song if you look at the chord progression and play it from is the it charts though? or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I mean, yes and no, right? Like, yeah, right. It's, it's a simple song in the sense of there's not that many chords. Uh, it's not super complicated, but it's not a normal chord progression that you hear. Mm-hmm. in almost any genre right like mm-hmm. i say that as someone who plays in a lot of different genres and bands and um it, it's kind of all over the place even from the very beginning this is why i said you know just from the start of the song you don't normally start a song with a chord that's completely not in the key yeah right like and i was even thinking about this earlier um you know how could you spin an F major chord in the key of A. <laughs> and you can kind of, if you squint, do a like <laughs> A diminished flat five. Or no, a, no, A diminished flat six, but it's still just like, what the heck? We're losing gonna... 99% of the listeners. This <laughs> <I know. one>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is getting really weird music theory nerd. But part of why I wanted to, like, why I was thinking about it that way is it just works. Right, yeah. like it's it's Somehow. really weird it's how atonal that chord is, and it just fits with the song. Yeah, it's so weird, and even the the chromatic chord progression at the begin in the middle of the song, where it feels like you went somewhere else, and you're like, nope, just back here at the beginning, <laughs> back at this chord that doesn't fit in the song, and <laughs> and I think that's kind of part of why that works too. Is because you end up back at this weird chord that's not at all in the key, and then it just somehow resolves down into the fifth. <laughs> back into like, that E, yeah. Hey, cool, yeah, we got the five chord here. We're good. <laughs> it, yeah, it's wacky. It's you know trying to cover it. Um, you know when I when I'm looking at the chord progression here, like I get to avoid some of the. You, you don't have to think as much about what the actual chord is when you're just like doing a little noodly riff. Yeah. You know, and a lot of guitarists make it through their whole life without ever really thinking about <laughs> key signatures and stuff. Like that's just true. Yeah. As a you keys know. and horn player, this is kind of where right. I live. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, right. You're only, I'm a, I can only play one note at a time. Why do I need to know <laughs> how it fits in there? Uh, but yeah, just looking at it, like when it goes to the, um, the instrumental part, just looking at the key laid out, like if I wasn't doing the riffs, it's a A, F7, E7, A. So you got the Fs, you got the F mm-hmm. in there, and then F sharp minor, B, and then B minor, D minor, and then back to the A's and the Fs. So you've got you've got Fs and F sharps uh, yeah. minors. You've got B majors and B minors. You've got D minors, and then in the chorus, you got D majors. Yeah. Uh, so it's just... And oh, this is all over the place. This is why I don't really think so. If we're going to maybe we put this at the very end of the episode so that people don't uh, tune out early. <laughs> but, um, 
I don't really think the F7 is a real classification of this chord. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a substitute for something like an A diminished flat mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. with an inversion that like it, it sounds you can play it that way. It sounds totally fine, but I don't think in the key of A, that's really what's happening here. Um, right. And I think that's why that chord actually fits is because it, you can fit it as an A diminished with a slight alteration. Um, it's not mm-hmm. just this tone, like you're not playing a, a C, C minor chord in here, the C minor seven, which would be like right. totally like every single note in that would not be in the key of A. <laughs> Uh, an F7, How far out of the key can I get? Yeah, an F7 as an A diminished second inversion flat six, whatever. Like that, that's that actually does fit in the key, uh-huh. and it actually fits in that chord progression too. It's kind of a walk down from the A to the E. Right, right. Um, yeah, and that's where you hear like the riff that da 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 da. It fits in the chord scale or in the in the blues scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everything else here, right? Like the E7, the A, the F sharp, the B, all those fit. Um, the F7 is really the one that I'm just like, really? Is that an F7? Yeah. And I, I get how they got there because that's kind of what the song starts on. <laughs> it's, it's not even an F7. It's like a full-on F major chord that drops down to an E. e. Right, right. Um, this this uh, The guitar tab on the wiki is not credited. They usually... Are whoever did tab this out? I mean, it took a lot of work, and it's really well tabbed out. I mean, whether that, mm-hmm. I mean, and again, it's another thing where, like, <clears throat> you know, it's not notated; it's tabbed in you know lyrics with chords above them. Where it's like, you know, if you're a guitar player, you're like, oh, the low note of that chord is an F, mm-hmm. it must be an F seven. Like, I think a lot of guitarists that aren't jazz guitarists don't ever need to worry about what inversions of chords are right (laughs) you know you just you know you're playing you got that index finger whatever that's hitting that's the low note that's the chord yeah and even i mean even when i look back at my notes on this song like i wrote that as an f7 for for my purposes right oh when you were figuring out the sax part yeah Um, well even on the key side yeah and so i play it that way but i don't think in the context of the song, that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And who, lo- who knows what Linnell would call it when, when <laughs> he wrote it out. But I mean, they, they do notate stuff on occasion, especially if, when there's a horn chart him, involved. If we can get him to tweet us, you know, hashtag, God. hashtag call you mom. Marty wanted to talk about the song. Maybe, maybe, he, would man. maybe yeah. he would have heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're to the point of the episode where we need to score this song and you go first. <laughs> so what are you giving it? Man, Man I got to call this one. I love a lot of TMBG songs. This is a solid 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> I love every song. I love everything about this song. The the <laughs> composition, the narrative, the lyrics, all of it. It's, it's a 10 out of 10. No question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hesitant to pull you're... the trigger on the 10. Yeah, but <laughs> especially with people giving me shit for giving Anna Ng at nine point nine. <laughs> but I'm like, even you know, even back then on episode six, I'm like, I'm gonna have to leave some room. Yeah, Anna Ng, Anna Ng is great, but it does the chorus a little much at the end. There goes a little long. So I'm like, I don't know, that's a point one. I I think God, th- 
I mean, as far we're as we like, get another ten here. As far as like the last few years go, I probably listened to this song more than Anna Ng. Like in the last, <laughs> you know, seven years since this album came out. I don't know. It might seem sacrilegious, uh, but I think I'm gonna put it right up there. I'm going nine point nine for this. This is gonna tie Anna Ng up there. Nice. Gonna just just shy of ten. I'm not really sure why after we've talked through this, but I just feel like it's uh, <laughs> it's man. Maybe look on, back on it in another 10 years when this is in the classic era and be like, it is fucking 10. I'm still jamming the fuck out on that song. It's so good. It's, oh, my God. It's a great song. It has a great build. It has great, like, everything about it is, to me, this is why I, I classify it as a 10, right? Like, it's not too long. It doesn't drag on. You right. don't have these, like, why are we doing this chorus four times? Uh, we do it three times. Two of them were the same. The third one was like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, there's a the lyrical change. <laughs> yeah, Pinterest. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna definitely stick with the ten. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, do you have anything you would like to tell people about or plug? I mean, come listen to Outdoor Valor. Uh, maybe someday <laughs> we're gonna start playing again. That would be amazing. Oh, I know, and. Uh, and to be able to do another live episode of the podcast would be great too and give us uh maybe an excuse to cover some other songs that we haven't done before. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. I would I would try and plug social media and all that but I'm just not I, d- I don't do that well. So <laughs> All right, that's fine. You, you can come and like try and find me and follow me but you're probably going to have a really subpar experience. Ooh, ooh, how about how about the big swing band? Yeah, Lafayette Big Swing Band. Uh, we're on Facebook. I think that's it. If you go to thebigswingband.com, the uh, should probably get you there too. Hopefully someday we start playing again. Now, I uh, was lucky enough to record you guys yeah. a year and a At half. Delphi, the Delphi oh, Opera House. The Delphi, Indiana Opera House, Historic Opera House. And I don't think you guys ever put that up on streaming. But mm. y'all did, I, maybe you did, but y'all gave me the okay to put a couple tracks up on my uh, Velour Underground studio uh, on my band camp. So you it's, can listen to, uh, did, is it up somewhere, do you know? Yeah, it's it's not up on streaming, but if you find us on Facebook, uh, The Big Swing Band uh, out of Lafayette, Indiana, um, we do have, I'm pretty sure we're selling physical copies of the album. Nice. nice. It's, not, it's just not on streaming. Yeah, you uh, you can get a sample of it. I got uh, the songs Undecided and Jumping at the Woodside up on valorunderground.bandcamp.com. Nice. I got a solo on Undecided. That's me on sax. I think that's probably what I think you were the one. I was like, what (laughs) what two songs should I put up here? Put that one on there. I get a feature. Yeah, Yeah, if you want to hear this dude play some sax in the swing jazz setting. So people can find this might be a podcast. Uh, this might be a podcast.com. All the social medias. Uh, send me emails with thoughts about um, how you now know that Call Your Mom is one of the greatest They Might Be Giant <laughs> songs uh, ever. Uh, Gmail is uh, yes, uh, this might be a pod at Gmail and leave me voicemails at 224 801 2930. Uh, head over to the Patreon if you uh, are want to be as awesome as Andy Howard here and support the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. And I think that will do it for my BS. So 
Andy, that was great talking to you, man. I miss you. Yeah, I know. Dude. It's been a hot minute. I mean, like I said, by by the time this episode comes out, I will be uh, a fully vaccinated individual, and you should come over and record some saxophone. uh, And and anyway, you know, I got the vocal booth. We'll be in different rooms. (laughs) I think we could safely say the episode is over by now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.